It looks like it looks like it's that time again. So it's that time for ask someone else with your host Kaz or Kazi from Property by Kazi. Um, I just wait for the room to fill up, get everybody in here. Um, for those that don't know, haven't been here before, this is an opportunity for me to ask an industry expert, um, or all of us to ask an industry expert, all the questions we want to know in this property space. Um, so let me add our guest for today. Let me find him, let me find him, let me get him live. Where are you? So yeah, while he waits to join, again, mute that call. Go mute that real quick. Oh, people are making requests already. CEO cast, how are you, sir? It's good to see you. Glad to see you checked in. Um, who else is in the building? Ella, how are you? I actually tried to speak to your your very good friend and tell her um, that she you should join her for her live. So let me know what you're going to do about that. Yeah, so for those that don't know or haven't been here before, today is basically a session where we get to have a little live Q&A with somebody in the property space. Um, this week we have Mr. Khan, who I've met myself, um, who's going to be talking to us about his experience in flipping property in London. So bear with me while I get the invite out. Um, if you want to put some questions in the question box below, get them in early because a lot of the time we don't get around to get to everything. So it's always good if you can get some in early. Um, da, 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 da. Why am I not finding him? Why, why, why am I struggling? Am I spelling this? Am I spelling this Amerikan? Why can I not find him? I'm actually struggling at the moment. Today, today, sorry, for those who don't know or didn't see the flyer, Today, um, we have Ahmed Khan on. He actually, I met him at a... Ooh, who's ringing my bell? This is just so technical. There's a lot going on. I can't even be right back. We're having technical difficulties today. Hello, everybody that's in the building. Um, so I don't know. Hopefully, everyone can hear me and we're locked in. I'm just trying to add, if you are in here, Mr. Khan, if you are in here, if you can just request to join the live. And we can get you in ASAP. Um, in the meantime, I'm just trying to search to add you in. Why can I not find you? what's going on well i can't find you oh this is technical problems back to back when i see other people struggling i always look at them like don't you know how to use your phone and then today the same the same is happening to me which is very rubbish um so anyway in, in terms of what we'll be talking about today we'll be um finding property deals in london it's one thing that people often reach out to me about and ask me how um bear with me one second yes yeah, one thing that people often reach out to me and ask me how to do how i do them and i think this is somebody who does them very well so hopefully if we can get him on um it would be great do you think he's hiding official mike i think he might be hiding as well um one second i am just gonna go and see if i can drop him a message real quick Okay, I feel like I feel like I've done it. I feel like I'm gonna find him now, and we're gonna be live. Do you know what? It was me planning too much because I was actually planning to do um, to do the first episode, like the first actual episode of a podcast. 
yeah um over on monday so i think it threw me off and i planned too much um so do you know what i'm just gonna go if we find him so his name um is that man amid khan if somebody can drop him a dm and remind him or invite him in um i think it would be great if not then i'll just crack on because funnily enough so me and um Amikar met on a networking event hosted by Tej and a colleague of his, and um, that's Tej Talks. Um, and it was funny that both of our journeys were very similar, that we both studied economics, um, both didn't worked in finance for a short period of time, didn't love it, and then transitioned from working in finance um, to property. Like it was slightly different variations in the journey. However, um, yeah, very, very similar um, in terms of what happened. He also started with a strategy that um, I'm very familiar with, which was buying one bedroom flats, particularly one bedroom flats in, you know, quite nice areas. So sort of upwards of 300, 400,000 um, and converting those to two bedroom flats. Now, a lot of the time you can do that without full planning. All you will need is, um, like a license to alter agreement from the landlord along so the freeholder along with building control why can i not find this instagram that's what's um confusing me i'm gonna search one more time i am i think i think we're gonna have to start imposing um imposing punishments for those for those that don't attend we're gonna have to work out what they're gonna be Luke, how you doing, Robbie? You okay? I see actually that you started your own labs very recently. Congratulations, they're looking good. Um, Love Life um, has asked, what are my views in build, on building property from storage containers? Um, I'm, I'm not familiar with the process. I mean, if it can be done safely, economically, and create, you know, nice affordable housing i think it shouldn't just be something that's done because it's it's niche or cool um but if i mean if it's possible and it's a way to build um you know and they still can still effectively meet building regulations then why not okay looks like it is another episode of the show must go on in fact if you're actually in here and you want to just discuss something in property let's do something different this week if you're in it and want to discuss something in property request to join and i'll get um get a couple of people on and we'll have a couple of conversations because i think one thing that a lot of people said um is that you know they want to hear from more people that are just starting out on their journey and issues that they had rather than bigger developers so and i speak to a lot of you in the um, in the dms in regards to you know where you've got to and what you're doing so if you are in here don't be shy request to join um and i'll get and i'll get a couple of people on and we'll just talk some property um okay let's have a look at this first question um as a clearly successful individual how do i stay motivated um i think it's very it's very easy um to get demotivated in property because a lot of stuff takes a long time so i you know in terms of putting an offer forward or getting a property getting a deal across the line you might have to look at 200 on right move view 40 view 30 have offers declined accepted but then fall through so i think it's just really embracing the little wins when you find a good deal whether or not you know you actually get to put the offer in the fact that you found a good deal shows the process that you're able to do it um, if you get her offer accepted again, they're just like mini sort of milestones and embrace them and, you know, see, try and see things a bit sort of cup half full rather than half empty because you'll get loads of knockbacks, whether, you know, you're sourcing, whether you're doing rent to rent, uh, whether you're doing flips, BRR, there's going to be so many different knockbacks, but just embrace the mini wins, I think is a good way to stay motivated. Let me, where should I go from? I'm going to go back to the questions. Um, would I advise opening a company if someone wishes to purchase their first property as a property developer? Um, again, I think a lot of the questions in regards to opening a company, um, 
tend to focus around tax. So whether or not it's more or less tax efficient, um, in a lot of cases it can be more tax efficient, but again, it really comes down to personal circumstance. I'm not gonna overly elaborate on this because I think we've answered this quite a few times, but if you go back to old Q and A's, particularly the one I think with Matthew from Forty Accounting, um, he answers that in a lot more detail. Um, but again, if you're looking to open a limited company, if you're talking about maybe just limiting your risk and only having your exposure of your funds in that property um, tied to that company potentially. One thing you will need to bear in mind is a lot of, you know, if it's a new company in most instances, almost every lender will ask you to sign like a guarantee form. So you'd still have to guarantee as a director. So in terms of your limited liability, that would supersede you the company being limited if you signed like a personal guarantee and had to do that by completing um, like an IR uh, independent legal advice form. So we just bear that in mind. Well, no one wants to join me. No one wants to come and talk. I just have to be here talking by myself. Um, okay, no problem. No, no problem. Um, what is my view on getting property outside of London slash Birmingham, Wales, etc.? Um, again, like I'm just gonna like point you back to previous episodes. So we had an episode with Luke from Luke's Properties on very recently. Um, I don't know what episode it was. If you're in here, Luke, still remind them what episode it is. But I'd say go back and watch that because that was all about um, basically investing in property outside your comfort zone and the pros and cons of that. So I'm not gonna again talk about it in too much depth, but go back there. This is, this is scary. I'm gonna just accept a random and the request. I'm gonna go live with Love Life. How we get on? Are you in? I've requested you. Let's see. Oh, are you there? Are Hi, you I, I am here. Hi, sorry that my screen's blank. It's just that I'm just recovering from a flu. Um, but I just wanted to join on to speak to you about right to buy properties. Okay. Next one, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let you off for not being on because I feel like a lot of pressure having to speak to a blank screen. Um, right to buy is not my focus, but again, hopefully we've got a lot of good people in, you know, in the live as well that we can potentially help. But what, um, what questions did you have around that, around that area? Thank you. Um, yeah, so if you get a right to buy um, property and then in the one, you know, like after five years, I think they say you can rent it out. Mm -hmm. um, you then decide to go on to get another property. Um, does it affect your like your credit score? Because I know you need to have a really good credit score in order to take out one mortgage. But I feel that when you get a mortgage, your credit score might go down. Does your credit score actually increase after a while or how does mm -hmm. it kind of work? Okay, so with credit, what happens is when you first do like a credit search, what are called like um, like heavy credit searches, like so for those for new finance, um, like a mortgage or loan application, you will see a slight decline in your credit in the short term. But then as you build your reputation with that creditor, so i.e. your mortgage lender, by making regular payments on time and in full, your credit actually um, increases after um yeah your credit will increase as you continue to make payments you've just got to make sure that you make those on time and in full um in regards to being able to rent the property or sell the property what i've seen is this does differ slightly but generally it's after you can't sell the property or rent it for the first five years um after a lot of them have a clause that effectively the council have a buyback so at market rate, they would have the first refusal to buy the property back um, within like five to 10 years. Now, a lot of the time, because the property's prices go up quite considerably, particularly in London, they don't exercise these rights. But you just do need to consider that um, if you were planning to sell the property within that time frame as well. Thank you. Um, that's really good. Um, so... Yeah, I think I was the one that made the comment about buying outside of London. So like in Wales and Sheffield, you're seeing a lot yeah. of people um, feeling that they feel it's better to buy outside of London because the properties are cheaper. But from someone like yourself, someone that's quite experienced in this, in, in property development, would you say it's wise that people should buy in those areas where the, where the properties are not 
so expensive um, or would you say? So, so like, I think when, when, whenever people ask me the question, um, oh, when is the right time to buy in property? Generally speaking, you know, obviously there's, there's slight caveats to this, but generally speaking, my answer is always now because, um, and I've said this before, but if you, if you look at property over like a short term period, you'll see like little dips and troughs as it goes up and down. But in a long term, when you zoom out and look at it, um, you know, from further out, you'll see that it just generally goes up. So if you're not in a position to buy in London or in a higher area, then it can be a really good option to buy in an area that you can afford. That in mind, what I would say is just because an area is cheaper than where you live doesn't mean it's good value for money. Yeah. So you need to make sure that you understand the area in which you're going to buy in. Because, you know, when we talk about all these things, it's a, f a few things. Like, for example, somebody approached me recently and said, look, I've been offered this. and I've only got to put in my 25K and I can get a property that's going to um, get me like 300 pounds profit per month which is a yield of, I think it was like 15% when they worked it out, but uh, which is great, and it's great to hear the yield numbers, but also if you're not familiar with an area, you've got to make sure that you're not being blindfolded with numbers. And what I mean by that is, are you still getting the property at the right price when you purchase it? Because if you're overpaying on day one, potentially you could be in a situation where you're in negative equity or you're buying for the wrong price, even if the yields are pretty good. So you've just got to make sure that you understand the area, number one, Two, that if you are not able to go to the area to physically manage the property, that you have the infrastructure in place, whether that be local builders, tradesmen, or letting agents that are going to manage and look after that asset for you. Um, so I yeah. think those are kind of key considerations if you do want to invest outside of your comfort zone. Thank you. Also, um, it's just a question about equity. Um, mm -hmm. I've, I've kind of heard in the past that, um, you know, in terms of creating generational wealth, that we shouldn't put our and property use our properties as equity i don't know what your views are on that that we shouldn't use our properties as equity in in what regards <laughs> i don't really know but I, it was just like a zoom so, that i was on a few months ago and they were saying that not to it's not so, good um yeah um I'll, I'll probably i probably caught half the conversation and i'm sure the people that you were talking to were very knowledgeable um but i think from the snippet you've given me I don't think I'm in a position to comment on that. What I would say is equity is, you know, your like the money that's in the property outside of what you owe the bank. Um, so, I mean, some people, some people have the idea to say, look, you know, you shouldn't release the equity from your properties um, because that can be passed down through generations and passed well forward. However, my, my attitude towards that's very different. And I think um, in some communities there's an attitude that, you know, debt is bad and the idea of, you know, borrowing is, is almost a bad thing. You don't want to be in debt. But for me, and obviously in property, there's such a thing as good debt. So if I have a property that's worth £300,000 and the bank will have like £150,000 equity in the property and the bank will allow me to release 75000 of that money. Now, yes, that's £75,000 that potentially couldn't go to the next generation if I spend it. But being a property investor... I'm going to hopefully invest that money into another project, make more money, and then hopefully, you know, um, use that to compound the wealth as opposed to spend it. So I guess that would be my, my response to that. But again, I wasn't completely in the conversation, but hopefully that helps to answer that question. Oh, thank you so much. That's my questions for today. Um, okay. Well, yeah, no, we appreciate, just... we appreciate. Sorry, what was your name? Um, yeah, so my name's Love Life. Um, my name's okay. Bianca. Um, but yeah, those were just okay, my I'm going to call you Bianca rather than love um, <laughs> yeah. Bianca, thank you very much for coming on. I know, to be fair, like even though you're not, you're not, you are, you are behind the screen. It is <laughs> difficult to come on and talk. So I appreciate you um, coming on and adding your contributions. So um, thank you, thank you very much. Thanks so much. Um, yes, I'm going to go back to answering some questions or potentially our next guest for today. Um, I can see. Absolutely. I'm going to log off. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Take care. Questions. Take care. Bye. Okay. Um, let me look. Let me look. Let me look. Let me look. What shall I? What's this question? Uh, what saving tips do you have for someone aiming to start out? Um, I mean, what saving tips do I have? just just manage manage your budget try and you know limit expenses to a degree um obviously utilize 
all of the different options that are available to you, like um, like your ISA and various other saving options. Um, I would say in regards to that, there's something actually that, you know, I'm kind of working on with a few other people. One thing for me with, with this property space is obviously one of the main problems is the barrier to entry to get into property is very high, particularly in London because of the capital amount. So what I want to effectively do and one of my long-term goals is to be able to set up like a platform where if I'm working on a deal, I can take investment, you know, at a very low, a very low level, um, but you would buy into like a percentage of the deal. So in the same way that, you know, an Amazon stock might be at all-time highs, you can still use platforms like Trade, like Trade in 212 to buy into a percentage of an Amazon stock um, and still be part of property investing, even if you're not at a stage to go independent. So that's one thing that I really want to work on and hopefully to make property investment, you know, more accessible. This is funny because I just have to click on buttons. Okay, I am going to go for... Uh, I can't add you. By the way, for me to add you in, just as, just as a random caveat, you do have to have the latest version of Instagram. I had this issue um, the other week. So if you do want to get involved, like, so I think um, Haroon Ali was about to add you in. However, you do have to have the latest version of Instagram. So you have to download it and come back in for me to be able to do that. Let me try. Let me try and get somebody else on. I think I've just um, sent somebody an invite to join. So let's see if that works. I've just sent you a request over. Ah, how you doing? Yeah, not bad. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Thank you. Uh, your name is? Priyash. How you doing, Priyash? You okay? Well, good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. Yeah. Well, how, how yes. about today? What would you like to discuss? It's about a uh, leasehold. A leasehold. So um, okay. I did put a question in. So I was, my question was, um, on a leasehold property um, with a low lease, let's say, of 55 years, mm-hmm. um, is it worthwhile? Obviously, it's worthwhile extending it. But if the capital is not there or minimal capital, how would you go about that? Um, 55 years has got to the point where, have you already purchased a property? Yeah. So the purpose, yeah, it's been, it's, it's my mom's property. So she's had it for many years. Um, mm-hmm. so obviously the, the, the lease is obviously up to, it's gone below the 70 years. So it's fallen into that, the marriage value. Um, so obviously extending it is going to cop, it's going to be costly, but you know, I just wanted to, to understand a bit more really. Yeah. Um, so for me, in regards to leasehold flats and particularly short leases, um, there are some quite creative ways you can do things with um, with leaseholds and with lease extensions. Now, if you're planning on purchasing a flat and the lease is still over 60 years, what you can do a lot of the time is when the note, you can get the vendor, so the seller, to serve the notice on the freeholder um, to extend the lease. Um, and if that can all be agreed in terms of the lease extension with the um, with the freeholder, then say, for example, you're planning to buy a flat with a short lease of 60 years for 250000 but with the lease extension, it's 300000 you can tell your lender, I'm buying a flat with a brand new lease, and mm-hmm. it will be completed simultaneously as part of the purchase. Yeah. Um, for your scenario, it's slightly different because you still, you already own the asset. Yeah. Um, and I guess it, it, really, it really depends on what, what you're trying to do. One thing I would say is, I'll, I don't know if you've seen much, but apparently there's, there's um, talks, obviously, they're going to reform the leasehold, like the whole way in which leases are extended, and yep. potentially remove the marriage value aspects of, um, of, yeah, of, of basically the lease extension. So I would probably, if I've got an asset that I'm not you know, planning to maybe refinance or you know, do something else within the short term, particularly because they're saying that should come into play within the next 12 months, there should be some sort of change. And I think yeah. it's only going to be positive for somebody like you. If they mm. remove marriage values, then potentially you could half your lease extension cost. Yeah, and that's um, what I've heard myself, obviously. And I think it's it probably makes sense to just wait a bit longer because obviously it's been X amount of years since it's not Yeah, been done. I think you're not... Yeah, it'd, it'd, be, it'd be almost like because you kick yourself if you spent 30,000 pounds extending a lease. I don't know how much the flat is worth. And then... Yeah. A few months down the line, they said, oh, you could have done it for half the amount. Yeah. Um, the property being in the heart of London is in Arrow. Um, yeah. It's, you know, with the current value, I don't think the market value, if you were to sell it, you, you wouldn't be getting as much as if it yeah, had. So, so generally speaking, like the thing with a lease extension, if you were to, if you were thinking of selling the property 
and you yeah. have the finance in place to be able to arrange the lease extension, generally speaking, um, you're better off doing it because it's just convenient. It's like if you've got the money to do up your house, somebody will pay you a convenience package. So imagine you were going to sell the flat of a short lease for 300000 The lease extension is going to cost fifty. You potentially get three seven five just because it's very straightforward for somebody, you know, buying it with the brand new lease, as opposed to they could just go and buy it, extend the lease themselves, but then they have their own exposure and their own sort of extra administration to deal with. So okay. um, if you were looking at selling, it makes sense. Also, again, if you're looking at refinancing, generally speaking, you're going to get all of your money out that it costs you hopefully to extend that lease. Um, if you, you know, particularly if you've owned the property for a while, I would assume there's, you know, reasonable equity in the property. So even yeah. if you remain at 70% loan to value, the cost of the lease extension versus the uplift in value versus the retained equity that you already have, it could still make sense. But I think yeah. at the moment, I wouldn't rush to go and do that just because the potential changes in legislation. Yeah, definitely. That's some good advice. Yeah, appreciate yeah. that. No problem. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming on. It's a very, yeah, very nice bright jumper yeah. you have there. <laughs> yeah, no. Nah. Uh, to be honest, my first ever live on Insta, never thought it there. Uh, oh. No, but yeah, no, I appreciate the advice, honestly. No, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. And hopefully that adds value to other people that are potentially looking at maybe extending the lease on their property. And I think also even just maybe touch on the fact that maybe some people don't necessarily understand the whole premise of leasehold and freehold. So conversations like this, even if I didn't answer all the questions in regard to what is a leasehold, what is a freehold, at what point do you renew them? It means that if somebody is looking at a property, it means that they've now got an extra question to ask because they've heard people having the conversation. So I think, exactly. yeah, it's always good to just ask much and talk about as much as possible. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But yeah, that was my question. Really, nothing else for me. Thank you very much for coming on. Much appreciated. Thank you. Let's see. Let's see who else we potentially have on. Let's see who's in the room. Um, actually, I'm going to go back to a couple of questions. So what's this one? Uh, rooms, in regards to sourcing deals, I'm looking to start and I'm from London. Do you believe the London space is over capacity? Um, I think I missed, can't the last of this question with sources. Um, for me, again, I get asked this question so much uh, about how do you source a deal in London? I can't find any deals and I'm looking. But my thing is that if you're looking for somebody to sell you a deal, you're probably looking in the wrong place. Like, for example, in the same way as if you was a gold miner and you have to find like the gold under the ground, nobody's going to turn around and tell you like, oh yeah, the, this is the this is the this is where the gold is. Because if they knew the gold was there, they would have just got it themselves. But what you need to do is work on your skills to be able to identify to see where the gold is. Or it's in in the property space. How do you actually identify what is a good deal versus what is a bad deal, and what is you know what is potentially going to be good something that's good market price or good value for money. Um, so I would just say, yeah, work on understanding your local area in terms of what adds value, what do people like, what um, are people looking for um, for the finished product, what don't people like, um, and just yeah, just really understanding who you're planning to sell to, how much you can sell to them for, and then you can work that backwards and see what you could potentially pay for a property. Um, all right, let me see if we can get somebody else in. Okay, I think um, who just requested to be in? I just responded replied to somebody's request. So let me see if he joins. But yeah, definitely that, that question around like, how do I find a deal or how do I source one? Like if if it was that that easy and that that or like that, you know, that obvious, everybody everybody would um would have all the deals because there's no such thing as the deal shop where you just go to pick up a deal. It's just supply and demand. Everybody wants them. So everybody wants that, for example, rundown house that, you know, they can just tidy up and add value to. So the rundown house that realistically is worth 400,000 will sell for 450, 500,000 because everybody wants to buy them. Um, and not just everybody in terms of investors and developers, owner occupiers that can get good value for money and do like almost self-build or self-refer projects will pay just as much for them and potentially more than you would as a developer. Um, so I think you need to look slightly outside that. Yeah, I still can't add you, um, Stan, I think it was, because I don't think you have the latest version of Instagram. Um, da, 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 da. What are my thoughts about Peckham as an investment area? 
So I like Peckham because prices have already, you know, they've been high in Peckham for a long time. Peckham is highly, you know, gentrified in a lot of areas. Um, I've invested in a sort of like Peckham slash Camberwell borders myself. Um, I've always had good, good results, but I think it's one of these areas where as a finding a deal is still very possible because there's a lot of, you know, vendors that maybe don't actually know the value of their property because they've owned it for so long or areas that some people might look at with a little bit of snobbery because it, you know, doesn't have a Starbucks in every corner. However, we can see where that area is going. Um, so I think areas like Peckham, you know, you've seen it with Clapham, Peckham, Brixton, all these areas that are relatively close to the river, they're just shooting up in value. An area that I really like at the moment is Greenwich slash Plumstead. You can see the massive amount of investment from like Bellevue and Barrett Homes building, you know, thousands and thousands of luxury flats on the river. And they're selling these two bedroom flats for in excess of half a million pounds. So when you can still pick up three slash four bedroom, you know, Victorian or period houses for 400,000, you kind of know that look, there's scope for those houses to really shoot up in value. Is when people looked at, you know what, I could buy that flat as my first time, but why don't I buy a house um, for the, exactly the same amount? And they potentially pay, you know, that same 500,000 and you'll see those prices shoot up. Where should I go to now? Where should I go? Um, how much does my property portfolio bring me in a month? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I'm going to refer that one back to my accountant. But, you know, I think it, what, what it does is my portfolio, you know, allows me to have the flexibility to, you know, have a bit of downtime, have off periods where there's not money coming in from the flips, but also sustain me so I'm not chasing like constantly chasing a bag so to speak in that you know there's a, it kind of gives me that level of comfort um that i can say yes to a deal and no to a deal and still still have options uh, i'm gonna go back into some questions let me see Let me see, let me see, let me see. Oh, yeah, and feel free, by the way, I said. So today, again, we're just a little live Q&A, catch up, catch up with the property by Kazi Gang. Um, wow, there's a lot of questions. I didn't even see all these questions. Love life, you have a lot of questions in it. Um, so I'm going to try and skim through these. But again, if anybody else wants to come and join the live or just discuss anything property, to be fair, you don't even have to have a question. You can just come and want to talk to me about your journey because, like, property is generally, genuinely, generally, genuinely a passion of mine so a lot of people speak speak to me in the dms and have hit me up about their projects so somebody just come and talk to me about what you're up to now what you're doing like just come and promote yourself everybody out here is building their brand somebody wants to network with different people somebody come out here and just talk about what you're currently doing um you might just want to talk about it you might want some advice or you know you might just want to say hi but feel free don't be shy while i go through some questions Okay, how much do you need to start in London? This is a very good question from Mo MVP. Mo MVP, um, if you want to start doing property flips, like, you know, and when I say flips, a lot of people um, <clears throat> refer to auction purchases. My golden number is 130,000 because that would allow you to use bridging loans, have the money to pay your finance fees in advance, um, do a refurb of maybe up to 10 to 15% of the property value and still have a, a slight buffer for if things move or go wrong. Now, that being said, I don't want that, you know, that sum to you know, massively put everybody off because obviously getting started doesn't mean you have to start auctions with a flip and a bridging loan. A lot of people's first you know, um, toe in the water, spoke to, so to speak, in property is their, um, you know, their, their residential purchase. So if you're buying a property for £300,000 and you're using a 5% deposit scheme, you may get into property with £15,000. Um, at the moment, with stamp duty exempt, um, legal fees, etc. So maybe £20,000 to get involved. And then if you're in a position where maybe 
you can invest five, six, seven, eight hundred pounds a month on your property. You might paint, do the carpet, do some stuff yourself, and you're investing in property, building value, building that equity that we spoke about in a previous conversation that you could then potentially release to go and get, you know, a buyer to let maybe outside of London or maybe do something with your own property in London. Um, so there's loads of different options, but this property space is really interesting because every conversation almost ties back in to something we've spoken about previously. Um, but there's more than one way to skin a cat and you just got to look at your circumstance. What do you currently have? What don't you have? And what is it um, that you want to do? Uh, okay, I'm going to try for the last time, Colin, and then I'm going to give up because I've invited you lots of times. So let's see. <laughs> Whiskey makes you laugh. How much almonds do you eat a day? Much I like, and a clever. I don't eat, but I eat almond. No, not almond milk. What's this new milk? Oat milk. Oat milk is sensational. That and the, the cinnamon toast, um, toast crunch. Cheerios, oh, they're, they're the best cereal. And I, I just challenge anyone to disagree with me about that. There's not, there's not a better cereal. But I digress. Okay, let me try and read and go into a question. Okay. Uh, Daffy Duck, can I record the live? Of course, you know, I've been very rubbish, but these lives are going to go live. I think I've got like five to update on the, um, the YouTube. I think I've currently got like... 800 followers on YouTube, a lot of videos. So I've done like a day in the life video very recently, just kind of like explaining what it's like uh, for a day in the life of me. That's going to go on the YouTube. Also done project catch-ups of the lane, which is a house into free flats. Um, those before mid projects and afters are going to go on YouTube very soon. So if you're not already following, I want to see like what there's 62 people in here, probably like I say 10 of you are following. So I want to see an extra 52 followers. Property by Kazi, all one word, um, on YouTube. But yeah, so it is going to be on YouTube. So yeah, Daffy Duck 305, go follow that and we'll be on soon. Um, Dilla, I don't know much about housing or contracts. I'm fairly young, but can a leasehold become a freehold? Um, it's a bit of a confusing question. So no, a leasehold is a leasehold. However, leaseholders can have an option to buy the freehold of the building they're in, and then it could become potentially a share of freehold, or if you buy it with the other leaseholders, or if you have the option to buy the leasehold, the freehold as a whole, you could buy the freehold, but your flat would still remain a leasehold flat, if that makes sense. Um, when there's two flats in a building, for example, if there's just up and down, Mason, there's two flats in a property, if both parties, you know, want to buy the freehold, they can effectively force that sell. Now, you do have to pay for it. Um, if there's any short leases, that will affect the value. But let's say both parties have a long lease. It's quite easy to basically negotiate. See, look, Narabado one I've seen you've just subscribed to the YouTube channel. That's commitment now. I got the notification and I saw you locked in. Um, yeah, but that's basically the answer to the leaseholds leasehold slash freehold question. I'm going to dive back into some more questions. Um, I think I just answered that. Um, I've answered a lot of these already. Oh, that's gone. But basically, somebody's question was, how do you deal with the additional stamp duty um, when buying um, an extra property? Like, So there's not a way to deal with it. Um, generally speaking, you just have to pay the stamp duty. And it's just a cost of doing business the same way taxes are cost of doing business. Or, um, you know, yeah, like council taxes, the cost of living in a property. You pay for it if you want the luxury of buying the additional property. That being said, um, there is a different classification. You can, you can buy stuff under um, if it's dilapidated and classes derelict that can result in you having very low or nil council tax. But you need to make sure you get that right, because if you get it wrong, the fines are heavy. So you need to look at what your savings are and then potentially get a specialist to deliver on that when you're completing um, on your purchase. Did, did, uh, let me see if there's a couple questions in the chat. Um, how much capital did you start your rent to rent business? Um, I did it with a couple of friends. So, yeah, rent to rent is... Come on, so rent to rent, um, we definitely, we started with less than, you know, less than five figures. So maybe six, seven, eight, maximum 9,000 pounds. 
um, that was in London. Um, typically, that's what we were spending per deal. So we're able to acquire, you know, two deals at the time. When I say that's what we're spending between deposit, first month's rent, furnishing, maybe, you know, painting and decorating and just getting it to our standard to build a brand. And obviously with the, the rent to rent model, effectively, it's like almost like an investment strategy because you invest that money. Um, you then have a positive cash flow from the property that you take on, hopefully, of a certain amount that pays it back over a term. So our maximum term, we would do a deal when it's seven months based on a five year deal, which means you could effectively maybe do four properties a year. If um, you had a starting capital of say 10,000 pounds, you could do two properties a year if you had a starting capital of 5,000 with those same metrics. But what you need to consider is how quickly you want to grow and not only how quickly you want to grow, but one of the key things I think people miss in rent to rent is how quickly you want to be able to pay yourself. And the reason I say that is because in that same example, if you've got £10,000, but to pay to get on another property, though so you need to take all of that money to build up a capital pot to go and take on more properties, you won't be able to redeem a salary potentially. If you're saying you've got a target of eight properties, you wouldn't be able to redeem a salary for the first two years um, with those kind of numbers in place. So you just need to consider what you're getting into it for and how quickly you need to get paid from the business because particularly if you've, you know, if you've left um, work or you're going to be doing it full-time, you need to consider what your outgoings are. So I'm just skimming through um, some, of these, some of these questions. Da, 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 da. Uh, does 5 or 6% make sense on a property investment? Yeah, it does, but we need loads more of information. So it's not, it's not, it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a good amount. It's not bad. It's not the best. But did you buy at the right price? How much of your own money have you got in the property? Um, do you need to spend any works on it? What are the service charge? What are the ground rents? You know, is there any major works plans? There's a lot more to consider, but it's just a headline number. Yeah, like 5 or 6% is okay. Um, answered that. How much do you need to start off in London? Answer the rent to rent question. Um, Cheerios, yeah, Cheerios are okay. I mean, they're a very mundane cereal. Uh, they don't they don't compare to my to my um, cinnamon toast crunch. Um, streets ahead property management. Is that streets ahead? Like streets ahead, the estate agency or someone else? Um, how am I finding auctions at the moment? And are you finding people are overpaying for lots? Do I ever buy from estate agents? Sorry, a few questions there. No, that's fine. Uh, yes, I buy from estate agents. Yes, I buy from auctions. Yes, I buy from sources. Yes, I buy direct to vendor. And yes, I've even bought off Instagram. So I buy everywhere. And for me, it's just a case of, like you said, does, does the deal stack, does it make sense? Am I buying for the right price? Um, yeah, I'd say some stuff is going crazily over and i think to myself what did i miss there like did they literally oil in the garden because they're going to lose a lot of money when i've seen some stuff at auction however um it just is what it is really um i think a lot of people in times like this where there is uncertainty people do go back to bricks and mortar stuff so they go back to you know more traditional investments so property gold you know um even you know stuff like what are they called what's the bonds like bonds as well are very popular because of stability um and you know shout out to crypto heads myself included who's not not doing too well over there um but you know people are looking for more stable investments so i think because of that there's more demand in the property space and stuff has shot up at auction um also there's you know i think a limited amount of stock coming on at the moment because there's been no evictions there's been less repossessions because of um you know mortgage holidays and other stuff like that so potentially the auction stock has also been lower and it's all supply and demand the less there is of something and the more people there are out there that want to buy it the higher prices go mm. what's this um did i ever do any property courses if so which ones did i do or which ones i recommend um no i've never done any um in terms of i've never been to any i went to like a, quite a lot of networking events like when well, it was different and we were allowed outside uh, went to uh, like stuff like property investment network and a few other um investment were well, just property groups and would meet up and talk to people about the prop about property 
um, but I didn't actually go to any courses. I'm potentially looking um, at putting together like a sort of e-learning course um, where effectively, you know, I'm not going to say that I'm going to reinvent the wheel. It's not going to be like brand new information that you can't find anywhere else, but I'm going to put together my experiences, my expertise, make it very concise, like have videos, reach out to other people in the space, be that architects and um, solicitors to be part of it as well. And then potentially package something that you can sort of use as your go-to guide as a starting point to get into property, um, particularly people that are at the beginning of their journey. I'm just jumping through these questions because there's actually a lot in here and I'm not going to be on for that, that long today. Uh, okay, let me look, let me look, let me look, just answer the question. Sorry, I'm just scrolling through, so avoid me if I go quiet. You, you don't know that I can't read and multitask. Uh, let's say, for example, I'm renting out a three-bedroom house on a HMO and there's an issue like the boiler or window. Um, would I myself as the landlord have to fix the amount of my own money? Yeah. Um, if you own a property, you're responsible for it. Just like if your car breaks down, you pay for it. That being said, just like if your car has an accident, you can have insurance to cover that and have... Um, a premium or an excess to pay. There are a lot of good policies you could get, like British Gas Home Care that covers plumbing, drains, and electrics. They should maybe a sponsor right here, just sponsoring for that free plug. Um, but yeah, you can use stuff like that. I don't know if that question was in regards to rent to rent. If, if that was a rent to rent question, it would depend on your contracts and what you've agreed with the landlord. Oops, what did I just do? Um, can you let us know you're coming on live beforehand, um, doing up pre? Do I not? Do I not always let you know? Are they not always live? So have you not got your notifications turned on? Because I always post it to say when it's coming. There's always a little countdown that you can set a reminder on. So you're clearly just not um, just not following. Get them, get them notifications on the top corner, and you can log in, and you'll make sure you don't miss stuff. Um, do, 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 where? Did I go? There's a few more questions. <clears throat> yeah, well, I appreciate that, David Ming. I'm gonna, gonna, like I said, working on it, gonna put it together. I don't know when, no promises, but hopefully something will come out um, in the near future. I'm probably gonna go in the next, in the next five minutes. Um, so let me just look through these questions very quickly and see if there's any good ones I can pick up. Um, throughout my property journey, is there anything I regret or change if I had the properties that I probably wish I bought? One in particular in Crystal Palace, a building, could have got this whole building in 2012 for like £350,000. Didn't buy it, thought it was overpriced, kind of stalled, negotiated, ended up falling through, somebody else bought it. I think seeing what they did with it that building is now probably worth even on a bad day 1.2 million so yeah that's that's a massive regret but there'll be so many of those like i drive around i'm, I'm from south london when i'm driving around and i'm like oh, i should have bought that i didn't buy that i sold that but um with all the mistakes and stuff like that well not mistakes but for example properties you have to sell to go on and do better things you just got to make sure that at every step you're pushing forward a little bit um and doing different things, um, buying different properties, adding value, adding to your um, working capital pot. And yeah, you'll go through a circle, maybe you'll buy it back for a higher price, but maybe still make money in the long term. Um, so no, at the moment, um, do I do any mentorships for the right price? I don't know if that's negotiation, but if I did do them, um, they would be they would be very fixed in terms of the price. <laughs> I wouldn't be negotiating over Instagram. Um, what was that question? What books do I recommend to read? Let me so I'll show you what I'm reading at the moment. Um, these are not really books that I would say like they're not like self help books or books for mindset, but they're books like if you're looking to get into flips and wanting to know the specifics. Um, this 
I'll go a little bit closer. You can take a little screenshot. Property development. Um, that's by David Isaac. And then this one as well. Again, they're proper sort of academic textbooks. So unfortunately, they're, they're really expensive. They're probably like 80, 90 pounds each. But um, yeah, they're really worth it. Like I'd buy them all day long over going to do a course or something else. And then once I've read these, I would then potentially um, then maybe do a course to fill, fill in those gaps. Like I, I do stuff and I don't advertise it, I do it. But when people ask me, like obviously I try and do a lot of free stuff like this for people that are maybe at the beginning of their journey or just sort of slowly starting to move into that property space. I do consultations, like our consultations. So whether that's um, deal appraisal or just maybe you've reached a certain point where you have questions about auction purchases or converting properties or have specific questions. Now, I charge £140 an hour. I'm conscious that that's a considerable sum of money. So even when I do do consultations, I always pre-qualify people. And if I don't feel like you're going to get good value for money out of the session, I simply wouldn't do the session. Um, you know, but I do probably four or five of those each week. Um, but again, it's just that if you're, you know, time, time is money and also expertise is money. If I can save you from making a massive mistake, then, you know, it can definitely be, definitely be worth it. Um, I think on that note, I am going to go, going to enjoy the rest of uh, my Sunday. I'll potentially, yeah, I'll, I'll work out what happened. It may be my fault. Um, I think I might have sent some mixed messages over to um, Ahmed Khan. So we'll definitely hopefully get, get him on, on, get him on live very soon. Um, yeah, like, so you don't miss it. Make sure you've got your notifications on. Make sure you're subscribed to the Instagram. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube. Shout out my sister, Sabi Ali Belogan, my favorite person who just logged into the building. Um, and yeah, I'll catch you next week. Same time, same place. So we've got a whole new season. This is season two. We've got 10 people already booked in. I've listened. You've told me like I didn't have enough women on. So we've got a lot of women on this, um, this, this season. We've got out of the 12 spaces, we've already got 10 people locked in. So two more spaces. So if you do want to get involved, drop me a DM. Otherwise, peace and love and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Take care.